pray with me? Lord Jesus, we bring all of who we are to all of who you are this morning, and we worship you. We worship you for who you are, for your loving kindness, the fact that your mercies are new every morning. God, we thank you that wherever we are this morning, you welcome us as we are. Where there's joy, we bring you our joy. Where there's anger, we bring you our anger. Where there's lament, we thank you that you welcome our lament. Even require it. Where there's gratitude, we bring our gratitude. And Lord Jesus, wherever we are this morning, we do choose to be grateful today to you in the midst of difficult times in our nation. We are grateful, God, to live in a country that gives citizens the right to vote, that has a peaceful transition of power even in the midst of violent disagreements. We're grateful, God, for protection, for protest and dissent, for a place that creates checks and balances to power. I'm grateful this morning, God, to have friends who are on all sides of almost every issue, seeking to voice their passions with clarity and concern, and who still seek and try to choose to believe the best in those, even those they oppose. To still remain friends, even in sharp disagreement, disagreements, we thank you for that. And God, we're grateful today that our faith in Jesus and commitment to the ancient scriptures can inform our political thinking and our everyday living. We thank you, God, that this faith has stood the test of time even with tyrants and dictators all through the centuries. And God, we know that we will never be fulfilled by any political party or system. And so once again this morning, we gather and we place our trust in your lordship, in your sovereignty, in your ways. We are grateful, God, for a faith tradition that has this robust history of protest and suffering on behalf of the poor and marginalized. For a faith that brings a kind of kingdom that will always threaten the powers of this age. And so we gather together, one in Jesus, made one through your body, your body that was broken to tear down the dividing wall of hostility. Your kingdom, God, is what will make all things new again. So we pray, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Sometimes when people travel to Australia, they will say it feels a little bit like England. I have heard people say, you know, I traveled to Australia, they had tea at 10 and at 2, just like they do in England. And 
I went to Australia. They were driving on the left side of the road, just like they do in England. When you are in Australia, you might see people playing cricket, a game that you would normally see in England. So how did that happen? How did Australia come to look and feel like England? Well, several hundred years ago, some people boarded ships in England, and they went and sailed to Australia, and they took with them English culture and practices and customs, and they brought them and, in a sense, infused or injected them into Australia to the point where it kind of looks a little like England in some ways. And though the illustration is absolutely incomplete, in a similar way, as the church, we take the culture and customs and practices of a faraway place called heaven, and we inject them, infuse them, bring them to earth. So much so that our society, our neighborhoods, our schools, our families ought to begin to resemble heaven over time. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One reality that we see in heaven through the scriptures is that our lives ought to reflect a multi-ethnic reality. When John, in the book of Revelation, is uh, looking into heaven, he says these words. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. John did not see a homogeneous vision of heaven in which there was only one type of person. John saw blacks and whites and Latinos and Asians, a multi-ethnic community being shaped and formed. And Jesus teaches us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. So if we see it in heaven, we should try to mimic it, translate it, infuse it here on earth. But in this series, we're talking about the problem, which is this dividing wall of hostility that Paul talks about in Ephesians 2. And when Paul is talking in Ephesians 2, he is saying that when Christ died, he dismantled the dividing wall of hostility. Now, this is a reference. Paul is referencing the wall that was in the temple. In the temple, there were four courts separated by four walls. The outermost court was the court of Gentiles. Moving inward, there was the court of women. These were all had a dividing wall between. Court of the Israelites was next, and then the court of the priests. Now, true to its name, the court of the Gentiles, the outermost court, was the only place Gentiles could worship. In fact, it's interesting, archaeologists in 1871 actually found 
this dividing wall that separated the court of the Gentiles from the court of women. And on that wall, it had inscribed very strong words. The words were essentially, do not proceed any further for fear of death. So the Gentiles understood that this was their place in the temple. They couldn't go any further. They were segregated. So this is what Paul means when he says in Ephesians, you who were once far off. They were segregated from their Jewish brothers and sisters in the worship of God. But Paul says that when Christ died, he dismantled the wall. And now Jew and Gentile can come together as one people and worship together. Jew and Gentile, two groups that hated each other. The great tragedy, one great tragedy in the American church, one of the deepest stains in the history of our country, is that we have tried to resurrect what Christ clearly tore down. The history of churches in America is trying to rebuild the dividing wall of hostility. So in 1787, there was a black man who was worshiping in an all-white church. And he had the audacity to go and pray in the whites-only section of that church. And the white people around him were so appalled that they did not even wait for him to finish his prayer. They went over to him while he is on his knees in prayer, picked him up, and threw him out. And the other African Americans were so appalled at what they saw in church that they immediately left, and the next day they gathered and purchased a building. It was a blacksmith shop, and they started a denomination called the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the AME denomination. And this began a very sad trajectory in the history of our nation. Just about every African-American denomination that started, started because white brothers and sisters sought to resurrect the dividing wall, the dividing wall of hostility. About 70 years after that, the Southern Baptists split from the General Baptists. They split over the issue of slavery. Now, they have since repented over that. In fact, Fred Luter was the first African-American president of the denomination, uh, the Southern Baptist, that split over this issue of slavery, trying to resurrect this dividing wall of hostility. About 100 years after that, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., in very melancholy tones, surveyed the church landscape of our country and said these often quoted words that, the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week. But the dream Paul spoke of in Ephesians 2 is this vision of one new humanity in Christ. One new humanity in Christ. Christ came, died, tore down this dividing wall of hostility. Um, can we get kind of technical for a minute on that one new humanity? 
phrase I was reading this week and just found this interesting, um, that apparently in Greek there are two predominant words for the Greek words for the word new. So one of them, neos, one kainos. Neos, the first one, speaks to something that is new as it relates to time. So that would be like the latest Ford Explorer or the latest MacBook Pro. That's neos. That would be like the most recent 747 jet that's coming out of the assembly line. Paul does not use that word neos when he says one new humanity. No, he uses the second word kaios, which speaks instead to something that is new, not as it relates to time, but kind. So rather than like the latest Ford Explorer, the first Model T Ford, the new invention, rather than the latest 747, it's the Wright brothers flying that plane for the first time. The first car ever invented, the first plane ever flown. When Paul says Christ died to create one new man, this coming together of Jew and Gentile, it's the idea of kainos, the idea of invention. In other words, Christ died to create something the world had never known before. Something the world had never seen. Jews and Gentiles, people who hate each other, coming together, doing life together, sharing meals together, worshiping together. And there was no paradigm for that. So just... Uh, in conclusion, we have one week left in this series. I hope you'll join us next week uh, because today we be begin this conversation, which it, well, we did a couple weeks ago. We'll carry on next week. But um, in concluding, can I just throw out a couple of maybe practical steps that you and I might take this next month? Steps that would practically help us to live out this vision in Ephesians 2 that we're ruminating on in this series. Ways that we can bring the reality in our lives of the fact that Christ has torn down the dividing wall. Because this takes some intentionality. When you think, if you just ask, how did Jew and Gentile come together? Jesus intentionally died. He died on a cross. That's how they came together. How did Paul, the Apostle Paul, have relationships? Like there's a guy in Acts, his name is Trophimus. He's a Gentile Christian. He traveled with Paul on his third missionary journey. How did that happen? Because Paul intentionally built that relationship. When you look at a church, a faith community, what is a faith community? This is a gathering of individuals. The church is the people. And how is a multi-ethnic church sort of formed? It's through relationship. Because the church is simply the gathering of the people. And Paul intentionally went. And he preached to Jewish people and to Gentile people. And so we see churches like Ephesus that were formed, multi-ethnic and if you are looking at your life, you're thinking, I don't really actually have a lot of multi-ethnic friendships. 
you too do not gain them by accident. You've got to take some intentional steps to make that happen. Because our default mode as people is this phrase, you know, birds of a feather flock together. So it requires some intentionality. And even gatherings like churches, it's interesting, um, studies have shown even in multi-ethnic churches, uh, which there's a definition for that, but even in very multi-ethnic churches, often people will not have multi-ethnic friendships outside of the church. They'll just go to church for the one hour, and it's very diverse, and then they'll go to their friendships and their relationships that are not. So it's very fascinating because kind of like the Pro Bowl where they bring together a bunch of players from different teams, but then they go back to their own teams. That can be the reality in the lives of Christ's followers, and it's not the way it's intended to be. So what can we do? First, just want to challenge you, you know, February is Black History Month. So is there a book you could read that might just educate yourself a little bit further? There's a book called Oneness Embraced by Tony Evans. It's a great book on racial reconciliation. Um, there's another book this past year. I listened to it on audio and talk about heart close to the surface through that entire reading. It's read by the author called Between the World and Me. Anybody read that one? Just uh, uh, might be a, a couple of different books you might check out. Um, secondly, Is there someone in your life you could intentionally invite over? I'm focusing quite a bit on um, multi-ethnic relationships today, uh, but even to widen that, is there someone who thinks differently than you that you might invite over or out to coffee? Is there someone who looks different than you or thinks different than you? And again, you don't have to talk about your differences. If it's race, you don't have to talk about race. If it's some, but to build a bridge of friendship. If you have kids, what might it look like for your kids to participate in an athletic league where they're the minority, where you as a family begin to build friendships with people who may be different than you? In Ephesians 2, we see that Paul argues that Jesus died to dismantle the dividing wall of hostility, to create one new humanity. And my prayer is just that we, as individuals, might experience that more, and that as a faith community, we might grow in that more. And what we're going to talk about next week is that When it comes to reconciliation in the Bible, racial reconciliation or otherwise, um, it is not for its own end. It is so that the world may know, Jesus prayed, that you sent me and you love them as you love me. It is so that the world may know. So that's where we're headed next week. I hope you'll join us for that. But my prayer is that we might all experience this in our lives in increasing measure and in our church community so that the world may know that Jesus was sent and that he loves every human soul. Amen? Let's pray together as we close.
Lord Jesus, I thank you for your goodness, your loving kindness, your mercy being new to us every morning. And God, you are at work in this world, and we want to follow you in building your kingdom. And so, God, I pray that you would guide us and lead us, help us to be bridge builders rather than wall builders. I pray, God, where we need to uh, confess that you'd lead us into repentance, where we need to work that you'd lead us into that task. And God, we thank you for this place, a place where we can come and take our eyes off of all that is wrong in our world and place them on all that is right with you and the kingdom you are building. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.